0: Each new year brings new beginnings. And for you, the loyal listeners of our We Have High Expectations podcast, you know that means a fresh new season of pods. Our second episode in the third season coming at you. So sit back and enjoy as we have another jam-packed episode for you on We Have High Expectations.
1: Let's do this.
0: Jam-packed episode. We've got a lot to talk about, Drewski, since uh, last
1: week. So much going on.
0: Of course, we're going to keep it uh, Hawkeye-centric, but we'll dabble into a little bit of the uh, super wild card weekend that was not so super. (laughs) What? Are you having a heart attack?
1: Oh, dude. I took a drink of ginger ale there, and it, like went down difficult, like, oh man, that was brutal.
0: Whew, our, our,
1: right, sorry, we'll edit that out, <laughs> we'll fix no. that in post.
0: Our fans, uh, this is why, you know, more than one, uh, of our listeners has told me we need to, we need to YouTube, uh, podcast so that we can have video. We could have video in this. That would, that would have been a reason why your face, I literally, and and then you reached for your right shoulder. I literally (laughs) thought you were like having a heart attack right in front of my eye.
1: Hopefully I'm a little young for a heart attack still, but you know, you never know. So you never <laughs> no. do. No. So Libby let's get into it. Are we like gonna? Where are we starting this week?
0: Well, it's uh, a bit unique, but I think the times uh, are calling for us to start with a extended firebomb segment. It's been a while since we've really firebombed.
1: Yeah, I think we've got to firebomb the entire Cedar Rapids Gazette, right? Like I don't <laughs> think any of them. I don't think any of them really get a pass at this point.
0: Yeah, pretty uh pretty interesting stuff this weekend. So, you know, and the unfortunate thing is that it gets just passed around the echo chamber of the media and sports media and it becomes like national news. Like it's on ESPN and like national paper webs. Like The Guardian I think ran an article on it. Really? You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean it's everywhere. Kirk Fair like, Paris- is a racist and is banning the committee. Except he's not MLK. disbanding the yeah. committee.
1: <laughs> None like, of it. It's all such... It's all... So... Vanessa Miller, like, obviously has a worldview that makes her feel like somehow she is the purveyor of right and wrong... In Cedar Rapids, Iowa? Like, if you... Like, what what is... Like... I, I don't understand, one, writing writing the article. The timing of the article was obvious, right? Uh, Ferentz gets a contract extension. We're coming out with an article that he's a racist. Um, the article did not talk to any current player, any current player's parent, any any player period other than David Porter, right? To my knowledge, like they strictly took David Porter and the email that they had that they sent out saying that
0: was the smoking gun or whatever you want to gun say, was yeah.
1: like Kirk Ferentz being like, thank you all so much for your work. Like we, t- we, we, couldn't have had the season we had this year without implementing the things you guys talked to us about. Like. Please call me if you, like, have any ideas in the future. Like, I, the smoking gun email was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's what, when the email finally came out, it, uh, I mean, it, it just made it almost hilarious. But, yeah, they took, they literally took one sentence in a three-paragraph email and created a... Created their own agenda around it, or whatever. Created their own story, and the sentence immediately following it talks about how he's actually not like the committee isn't going anywhere. He's going to give thought and restructure it going forward. Right? Well, they didn't like, even
1: fit. They didn't even finish the <laughs> sentence. So I have it right here. I've got the letter. I'm just going to go ahead and just for our, if maybe the six people who listen to this haven't read it, who knows? I, I don't know, but I'll just. This is from January 11th at 3.30 Central Time. I hope this letter finds you doing well, blah, blah, blah. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for their time, demonstrated interest, and investment over the past year and a half as you have served on the advisory committee. The committee has been a true asset for our program and has offered added perspective and insight to issues and topics that impact our team and program. I've come to the decision that that this is an appropriate time to dissolve our committee as it currently stands. So even the sentence that they stopped reading at because it fit their worldview and their agenda they ends with the as word, it currently stands. They just, like, stopped they it They just took dissolve. the
0: word dissolve and, yeah. and created their own definition for what that means, yeah. basically. Yeah.
1: As we start a new calendar year and prepare to move forward with our preparations for the 2022 season, I'm giving thought to how we restructure the committee board in a way that best serves our program moving forward. Again, I am very thankful of everyone's contributions and the positive impact your unique perspective has provided. The season was extremely gratifying and the team was tremendous to work with on a daily basis. There's no doubt in my mind, that is in part the result of the adjustments and tweaks that have been made in our program over the last 18 months. I remain very appreciative of your involvement and invite you to reach out with any thoughts or suggestions moving forward." That's a smoking gun email that Kirk (laughs) Ferentz is a racist? Like, well, what just the fuck that he's he doing.
0: Yeah, just that he. Now that he's got his contract extension, he's getting rid of the committee uh, that was put together. You know, for all of the complaint. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous.
1: So, uh, like Chad Leistikow got the the email that was sent to, or the letter that was sent to parents, basically saying like what Ferentz was going to be doing and all this stuff. So it's very obvious that Chad Leistikow, Scott Dockerman, those those guys had this email as well, right? That they, I think I think they, they've
0: said as such.
1: Yeah, they had this email, the they were aware that. of the email, they didn't run anything. And it's very obvious that the Cedar Rapids Gazette, seeing the timing and probably the weekend that it is, right? MLK Day weekend, we'll pop it in here on this, on Sunday morning, MLK Day weekend, after Kirk, they announced Kirk Ferentz had a contract extension. And it's just a load of shit. And it's just like, at some point, like, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just so blown away by how, how, like, it goes against everything that it, and I, granted, I was only a journalism major for like a semester, but those were like the first classes they talked to you about, right? So I, I don't know. It, like,
0: <laughs> it's, oh, just, it's, yeah, and we talked on Sunday when the article came out or whatever. Like, how do you not, at the very least, like, uh, there was nothing in their original article about even, like, we reached out to Kirk Ferentz and Gary Barda, et cetera, and, and they declined to comment or whatever, right? Like, they didn't even attempt to get the so other smart. side of the story. They just ran with their their thoughts and then what David Porter was telling them. And, they, did, I mean, they could have asked any one of the other committee members, like, right off the... Um, before the day was done, like Jordan Lomax, who was on the committee, was even tweeting at these reporters, like, we don't, I, I'm on the committee and I don't agree with what David Porter's saying, <laughs> you know, like. It was- well, here's
1: the other thing that blows my mind. So this John Stepp or whatever his name is, this kid that's working for the Gazette now, he got an email on Friday the 14th from Steve Rowe at 347. It says further response from coach. The decision to evolve the advisory committee was made in November and communicated in January. David Porter did not share his sentence sentiments with me directly. He included them on a former player group text chain where some of our current coaches are a part of that group. I was surprised and disappointed by his comments and wish him the best moving forward. His comment had no influence on the decision regarding the advisory committee. This is from Ference before it got before it got printed, and he's saying right there, there is a decision to evolve it. Like, right. So why are you using the term dissolve in in the in the headline? Like, in how is sense. this dissolution at all? Like, they, yeah. he responded and told you it's evolving. Also, like, David Porter is his job on this committee is not to call for the firing of the coach, the offensive coordinator, and the athletic director. Like, right. That, now he's just a fan, so who cares? So.
0: Yeah. Like you said, we we've got a chair of the, uh, you know, diversity and inclusion committee whose response is exactly our response when we were in our 20s after any laws fire them all.
1: And like he's like (laughs) he was basically us in the like he responded worse than we did in my basement to the Citrus Bowl. And he's the head of this committee. His (laughs) response the next day was that everybody needed to be fired. Ours was "Eh, that was fun. Let's go play Pinochle. Like, right,
0: know. and I hope we find I hope we find a quarterback and some offense next year. They make some changes, but yeah, whatever.
1: So, if if
0: you're if you're
1: head of your advisory committee. Is reacting to games worse than Drew and Brad are? You've got a problem.
0: <laughs> you've got the wrong head of the committee, exactly.
1: Oh, so it's just like... No,
0: just wild. Well, and then I, I know we were just talking before we aired. Uh, this is Tuesday afternoon or evening. Um, but Tuesday afternoon, David Eichel of 24-7 Sports uh, was on... Um, I don't even know what radio show, K-Hawk or who cares... But, uh, and, and they asked him like, as you know, Miller as, you know it was Miller and Connery, Miller and Connery. Connery, eh, in the big city, there you go. Uh, Marty Terrell's old stomping grounds. Uh, but they asked him, you know, and you very rarely see journalists, I wouldn't necessarily say he was turning on, you, turning on each other, but just be critical of each other. Right. But they asked him like what you would do after, you know, the original email surfaces and you're basically caught in a lie. And he was like, you know, you apologize and you retract your story. But instead, the Gazette's apparently like doubling down. Your girl, Vanessa Miller's got another article out there this evening about, um, uh, you know, about Kirk Farron's for the first time in this letter to parents talks about his plans to evolve. Basically, like accusing him now of saving face because they broke the story, you know, (laughs) which ridiculous
1: in the email from G- january 11th and in response on january 14th he talked both times about how they were evolving the committee
0: well it wasn't right? it wasn't uh they can say that it wasn't in uh public or whatever right like she was saying made his first public um comments about it But parents w- hasn't talked he, about the committee at even, all he didn't even do yeah he sent an email to uh, the parents so yeah he, I, and
1: he I, never and he he never said who was on the committee he never, like, announced who it was. He had just announced who the chair was going to be. He never announced who was on the committee, right? Because he didn't want reporters reaching out to him all the time saying, what happened in this meeting? What happened in that meeting, right? The other thing here is they're framing this like it's the University of Iowa's committee, that like the athletic department's committee. This is, Kirk Ferentz said in that letter to the parents, like, this is his committee, right? This is, they are there to advise him. Like, he's the one that set it up. Wow. Right? Like this is not coming from his boss. It's not coming from um you know, and, and had he not been the one to set it up, maybe you know maybe he he would have, but um, but I uh, that I on Miller and Condon, this is kind of where you talked about like the echo chamber, right? I think Trent Condon and Ken Miller do do a good job, like when I listen to them, it's not often, but like I grew up listening to Ken Miller and Marty Terrell, you know, like that was the first sports radio. Show in Des Moines. And so um, to and even. Yeah, I've been listening to Ken Miller a long time. I always thought I did a good job, but today they're talking about it. And Ken Miller did say right away yesterday, he's like, David Porter sounds like a fan here. There's something more to this story that needs to come out. But then they just keep dropping back down on the optics of it. The University of Iowa yeah. and their bad oh, yeah. PR and the optics and bad PR. And the and to me, that's showing that you have a bias against the University of Iowa for some reason and and trent w- trent will admit to it he thinks gary Barta should have been fired a long time ago i i don't understand people's hatred for gary Barta. it just blows my mind like the basically pick a program over there it's basically as successful as they've been in 30 years uh, except for volleyball time. you know yeah. like so uh, Softball softball's a little not quite as good but uh, anyway that's getting into semantics but you pick a program and he cut swimming okay. Like everybody's cutting sport. Like okay. Like you yeah. got to do what you got to do. You know. Like, um. So they're going on and on about the optics, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, there are no optics here. There is no story here. Like exactly. nothing has happened. Like, you know. And 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 so I, I you know. And then they kind of start talking about Ference, and well, Brian Ference is a problem because of this type of situation, and I'm like, you don't know this is Brian Ference at all, and and this is what's unfair to him, like. You don't know that Brian Ference was a problem in one of these meetings with this, you know, with this committee. Like, you don't know. And they're like, well, Chris Doyle fell on the sword, you know. And I'm like, Chris Doyle did not fall on the sword. Chris Doyle got fired because, like... He, he fought it. he fought it. He, he, fought, like, fought pretty, it. Yeah, he absolutely... Yeah. Chris Doyle put out that statement five minutes before Ferentz was going to go out for a press conference to try to save the whole thing. And I think I said to you... I know I said it to my dad, like, okay, that was it for him, man. Like, he's done now. Like, he might have been able to
0: survive Right, they it. had no like, choice but to fire like him because point, of how yeah, he reacted publicly, exactly. yeah. So,
1: he, the last thing he did was fall on his sword. So, that, like, I'm listening to that, and I'm just thinking, like, there's so much, like, just stuff just gets repeated, and it's wrong, and it just gets repeated over and over, and that's why we need people like your boy Jade out there holding people accountable. <laughs> I do love Jade.
0: I do love Jade, Uh, but no, and it's, the thing is, I'm with you, people were arguing to me that the optics were bad, and I'm like, the optics for what? Like, you said, like, nothing nothing. happened yet. Like, we'll see what the committee is next year. Like, relax.
1: Like, if Kirk Ferris announces in three weeks that, like, the guys from Washed Up Walk-Ons are his racial committee, then yeah, the optics are bad, right? Like, you know, like, if he announces... I don't know. Somebody, you know, like somebody from the Ku Klux. If Chris Doyle ends up on his racial committee, his then the optics are bad, right? Like, th- this is just a nothing story, you know. And and honestly, they I'm, not,
0: I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to compare Chris Doyle to the KKK, but but i I'm, I went overboard with
1: the KKK and then I brought back Chris Doyle. I was not doing that. I, I do apologize. that it's not what I was trying to do. <laughs>
0: but I'm. Um, no, it would be, yeah. If, if, yeah. Chris Doyle and, yeah. <laughs>
1: we'll others. Fix, fix, that in po- fix that in post, too. Fix that. In post. I, I
0: don't understand why you keep acting like we have these. <laughs> I just take whatever we have, cut the front and back of it, throw a commercial in, and it's published.
1: <laughs> we'll fix that in post, too. Don't worry about it, everybody. Perfect. Um, no, so. The other thing I think is kind of interesting in this whole thing is like David Porter talks about how, in that article, how Ference is too loyal to his staff and to his son, and he needs to, you know, he needs to go or whatever. And uh, Kirk Ferance's loyalty, like is probably the most admirable quality i fi- I see in him. Like it it even goes to the point of David Porter sent a text. To a group of former players, including players that were apparently coaches, so you can say right there, it's Liddell Betts, right? Like or yeah. Bell, or, or apparently he sent that two guys who worked for Coach Co- Coach Ferentz saying to fire him, and Ferentz didn't even didn't come out and say we've removed David Porter from this. We're nope. We're just gonna we're gonna restructure it going forward because he's loyal to David Porter too.
0: You know, even, like yeah. even you know, the guy
1: that's even the guy that's the screwing him over, right? Head, yeah. And given yep. an interview, nobody would have ever known about this at all if David Porter doesn't start calling around, right? And like, I I, I think that needs to be said. Like, Ference's loyalty is like people say it like it's a bad thing. It's a pretty admirable quality, especially in this day and age. You know, like now you can come back and say, well, the guy's been in Iowa for damn near forty years. Like he's you know he runs the entire thing at this point, right? So of course it's easy to be loyal when you know nobody's going to do anything to you. Um And I would say, yeah, that that makes sense too. But for me, I think it's kind of interesting that he's even loyal to David Porter um, in, in this situation. No, and
0: I, yeah, and I I've said that in the past, just about the you know fire Ferens crowd that that boils up pretty much every season no matter how successful we are but um and yeah you could argue you know they would argue that he's loyal to a fault and and Iowa is as well but I've said how many times like yeah I mean if you're gonna give me the choice I'd much rather have I'd much rather root for the school that is slow to fire then the school, then, then be a fan of a school that's gonna, you know, like a Nebraska or whatever that fires their coach after a 10 win season or what, you know, like, um, cause it, 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 who's, who wants to go coach there? Like who wants to, you know, who wants to work yeah. in that type of environment? Like I, I, I personally respect. Yeah. Loyalty. And, and that Kirk always takes the high road, even when the nobody else in the world would probably take the high road, you know? So, uh, and, he, you know, so yeah.
1: and he, he, he can be stubborn and he can do things that are, are not, that you know, that you can look back and you can question, right? Giving Chris Doyle the assistant coach of the year award after um, Rabdo. Rabdo, yeah. That was unnecessary. It brought, brought unnecessary coverage, right? Um, I'm trying to think. There's been stuff, you know.
0: But this, on the other side of the coin. How many offers has Phil Parker had to leave? Let's say hypothetically, right. and maybe that's what keeps him there. Is that Kirk is that good of a boss, and that you know, and right. and that good of a friend, and and all of that stuff, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that's why we always have a pretty good staff, other than the current offensive coordinator, I guess. But <laughs> I had to throw that in there.
1: You know, here's what. Here, here, let's let's talk about. It. I've been thinking about this because I. I feel like we've gotten to the point where we've. Just as a fan base have. Gone to the to the extreme on Brian Ferentz, right? In 2020, when they had a good offensive line. They ran a pretty efficient off or pretty efficient offense, right? They they had they showed signs of potentially being an explosive offense in a couple different seasons. Now they they obviously the results are not there, right? so uh, the I, I'm not backing him as an offensive coordinator. I'm just saying, like he's not the fo- he's not the worst football coach in the history of the world. Like he's he's probably a pretty good football coach. He's not a great offensive coordinator, but the fact that we've made him out to be the boogeyman on everything here is is a little unfair. Um, however, saying that, like it's like Kurt wasn't around for the first you know, what, 16 years of his tenure when his offensive coordinators were the boogeyman and, like, the dumbest people alive, like, did he think that was going to change by putting his son in that, in that spot, so, um, you know, like,
0: oh, I think, I think absolutely, I, and I, I think, uh, you know, to me. I equate it to family business, right? Like anytime you have family in business, in a a larger business, let's say, or even a small business, the non-family people are always going to assume favoritism for the son of the boss, right? Mm -hmm. So you you have to overperform, overwork in order to uh, remove that perception. Um, and, and this, so to me, you could argue, you know, is it an unfair position that, you know, Kirk's put Brian in? Um, and I would also say, I would agree with you. I think there's a large number of schools, probably even NFL teams that would take Brian Ference as like an offensive line coach tomorrow. Right. I just, as a, as a play caller, as, as the offensive coordinator, it hasn't worked out, but. Um. And there's point, things you could do or, to fix
1: that. There's things yeah. you could do to try to fix that, right? You could. In Ference's extension, I think in his contract extension, they up the the assistant coach pool by about a million five, maybe. Like, so there's going to be money there. Obviously, some of the guys are going to get, you know, get raises. But like I said, the the obvious one is, hey, go to Ken O'Keefe and say time buddy like you know we gotta we gotta bring in a new quarterback or coach and a passing game coordinator or something to that effect or you know or make kelton copeland the passing game coordinator and let him and brian ferentz work together you know they they just gotta do something right they they can't they 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 can't go back into next year and just run back spencer petrus and brian ferentz and not change anything and expect a different result we'd be 20 you know we're 20 four games in Spencer or no, we're not that many. Cause we only had, he only played eight in that first year. So we're, you know, 19 games into the Spencer Petrus experiment and we just know he's not very good. So, and yeah. you know, I know we've only seen Alex Padilla four times. I don't think, I don't think he has it either. So at that point, you know, you're kind of looking, the rest of the team's too good. I think, I think, I don't know. I could be wrong there too, but I think the rest of the team's too good to, to uh, to let the quarterback position bring it down again. So hopefully they make that change. But um, one last thought on nepo- nepotism to kind of roll us into Iowa basketball.
0: There you go.
1: Um, For the people that don't know, I played for my dad at Winterset High School. Very, very important place, right? Like, it was very... <laughs> Brea no batman.
0: longer no he longer doesn't. winner no longer winner set highs uh all-time leading scorer but you were no, a you few left. people
1: uh, i wasn't when I, when I left yeah i was all-time leading scorer uh, i was the only first team all-state basketball player in the history of the school humble bro now there's Humblebray. now there's another one now now we've got two <laughs> but um but um just as a coach's kid my mom said told me all the time like you better be one of two things when you play basketball Either really, really good or really bad. There's no in between. Be the best player of the team or the worst player on the team. Don't be in the middle. Because if you're in the middle, it gives people, like you said, it gives people a chance to say that kid shouldn't be playing. Right? Why is he playing over this kid? Why, you know, why is he taking the shots? And that leads me to Patrick McCaffrey. (laughs) (laughs) Segway. segway. We don't have to rip on Patrick. We can. I mean, if you want to. (laughs) No,
0: No, I was just going (laughs) to. No, that's great. What Um, a segue, though, right? That was a good segue. But (laughs) but yeah.
1: Don't fix that in post. Leave that all in. (laughs)
0: Leave that in Post. Uh, but no, the Hawkeyes, I think the last time we talked was after uh, the loss to Wisconsin, right? They've since won yeah. a couple of games at home yeah. against Indiana and then kind of tried to give one away at Minnesota, but held on at the end thanks to Keegan Murray hitting a big three. Um, but yeah, what's your take? I mean, I was they're, they're what, 26th, I think? They were the last team getting votes in the AP poll where... We're in the top twenty, we're sitting nineteenth in uh Pomeroys rankings right now, thirteen and four back to five hundred in conference um, still a lot of tough games on the schedule in conference, but uh, what's your take on what where the Hawkeyes are now and where you think uh they might they might go here with the rest of the big ten season
1: so here's my deal with Iowa like. I don't have I still don't have any idea how good we are or sure. how not good we are i do I don't have any concept we've played four games against teams that would be considered quad one right purdue beat us seventy seven seventy they were up by what nineteen at one point we did get it back to two so um illinois beat us eighty seven eighty three they were up double digits for most of that game before I think Keegan went on like a ten 0 run by himself and got that one close Iowa State beat us by you know, 700 in, in at Hilton, and Wisconsin beat us by nine, and it was 20 points for most of the game, Wasn't right? Wasn't that close, exactly. Yeah. So those are the only quad one games we've played. We're only four in them. Now, we're 4-0 in quad two, and 1-0 in quad three. We've played eight games against quad four. Like, our non-conference schedule, I still don't have any concept of how good we are, right? So I, yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you, you feel better about that than I do. I mean, I, I go through the rest of the way looking like Rutgers is a quad two, Penn State's a quad three, um, you know, I guess per, you, you got to, you know, one, two, three, four more quad what five more quad one opportunities the rest of the season. You know and maybe some of those teams move around a little bit and become quad one or quad two based on it, but like until we get through I think maybe Purdue and Ohio State, I'm still not gonna have any real concept of how good we are,
0: yeah, I'm looking at uh no, I agree with you, and I'm on Ken Palm and I'm looking at um you know trying to trying to compare this year's team to a team of the past, I mean. What I was going to say, I, I, so I, I'm looking at Iowa's past, you know, 15 seasons here, however, since Fran's been there. And what I will say, undoubtedly, is as frustrating as it can be sometimes uh, with the lack of defense rebounding this year and some of the rotations and uh, how he utilizes his bench. There's no doubt Fran McCaffrey can coach offense. I mean, we got the number three rated offense in Ken Palm this year. This would be the fourth year since he's been here. We've had a top five offense uh, the last three years uh, and two of those, you know, so you look at and and completely different rosters and teams, right? Like he went Mm -hmm. from having Garza to now Keegan. I mean, just completely different teams and we can always score. So um, there's something to be said for that. But as I was going back and looking, uh, before Garza, the last time we were top five in offense in Ken Palm, and we've had good ratings, but not top five, was 2014, the first time Fran took us to the NCAA tournament. And that would have been Marbles, Devin Marbles, Marbles senior year, Zach McCabe, senior year. Aaron White was a junior. We, um, at one point, and that's the year that we just fell apart down the stretch, right? At one point, we were... Eight and four in the Big Ten, nineteen and six overall, and we ended up losing what, including the ter- two tournament games, we ended up losing seven of our last eight. So yeah. it's just, that's where the Fran fade, the, which isn't technically accurate, but that's where the Fran yeah. fade Because really the next year oh, we it. won
1: like seven out of eight ten this season,
0: right? But. I'm just looking at that. I mean that that team was the number five offense, the number num- you know seventy seventh best defense as far as efficiency, and we finished the year twenty and eleven, nine and nine in the Big Ten. I mean that kind of feels like we were we were what we were the Oh, we were in the play in game. Yeah, we lost yeah. An in the play in game versus Tennessee. Yep. That kind of feels like this year's team. I mean I think we make the tournament. You know we're probably going to be around the bubble. Um, I just, uh, I don't know, right? It feels like a 500, maybe a game or two above 500 in the Big Ten team um, without too many big wins, you know? Um, I don't I, I don't know. I think just any time we go up against a team that's a, a, a very talented team and a team with a good offense, I just don't see how we're going to score enough to to stay in the game yeah. and win, you know?
1: I, I agree. But, I mean, you look at the, you know, like giving up seventy three to Iowa State and eighty seven to Wisconsin. Like those might as well be a hundred to other people.
0: Yeah, you know? those aren't exactly. Um, that's. I think like, I said that. Yeah, eighty seven yeah. points to Wisconsin is absolutely insane. Yeah.
1: I mean, and it's it, it's it's a when you're when you're a hundred and sixtieth or whatever we are in hundred seventy fifth at Torbeck in defensive rating and that's including eight games against tomato cans like true that's not great right that's gonna go down as like that we're gonna drop farther as we play more teams in the big 10 um you know i i i'm with you frank can absolutely coach offense and he can find guys right he's got a great eye for talent but man he can't coach defense and some of his substitution patterns like I'm I'm looking here. Chris Murray plays 41% of the minutes. He's got the second highest offensive rating on the team, right? And 41% of the minutes. So like, why isn't he playing more, right? Um, like Patrick McCaffrey, 53% of the minutes, like gets it's like two offensive rebounds a game, man. Like, or 2.5% of of the offensive rebounds. 2.5%. He's six foot nine. Like that's, you know, he has a foul rate that I think is almost like, is like the low one of the top or in the bottom 10% of the whole country. Like there, there can't be another six foot nine guy in that. He just doesn't do things. And right now, offensively, he's struggling. Like in the Minnesota game, it appeared that his offense was to just throw the ball at the basket and hope we get an offensive rebound, Um, which, you know, whatever. But I, 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 I'm just to the point where, you watch that team and there's no excuse for them to be that bad defensively. There just isn't, yeah. there's a good enough athletes on that team. You know, you know, I, I think last year you could make the case of like, okay, well, Bohannon is coming off double hip surgery and can barely freaking move. Garza's, you know, not the most athletic guy in the world. CJ Frederick is glass. So of yeah, course, he, a, you know, like,
0: so defender, you, yeah.
1: yeah, you know, you just kind of like, eh, um, I understand, you know, this year I'm looking at I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get it other than they don't rebound. You know, that's the part if they could rebound yeah. they could finish possessions, but this team should be better on defense. And it's, I mean, Minnesota with seven scholarship guys, you know, what they, what they average in the made second half, like 1.2 points per possession in the second half, like just killing us. So made a run. Like I said, I want Iowa to win every game, uh, but I'm not going to be like the saddest guy in the world on Fran McCaffrey's last day. I'll just put, I'll just leave it at that. Like I want him to win every game. I hope he wins a national championship. I hope he wins. I hope he goes to final fours. Like hope he wins big 10 titles, but I kind of did that backwards. I should have went, hope he wins big 10 titles. I hope he goes to final fours. I hope he wins national championships. But even if he does all those things, I'm still not going to be the saddest guy in the world when he, you know, on his last day at Iowa. That's just how I feel.
0: Yeah, so I will say, I mean, as frustrating as it is, Fran has to be given credit for bringing us back from the lick letters. Yes, absolutely, he deserves a ton of credit. And yeah, else. I, I, yeah, and he's had a good run. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's,
1: I'm gonna get a text about this from from Wes or Brydog. Yes, I did like send out fire Fran like during in the first half of the Indiana game. Okay, right, <laughs> but like I don't actually want him fired. Like I'm not calling for him to be fired. I understand what he came into, how bad it was and like good on him, like you said, for getting us back here. I'm just saying like there are other things outside of this too, like the way he acts on the floor that just bothers me and that's part of the reason I'm not gonna be that upset like the day like, he, he leaves. Like I'll be pretty sad the day Kurt leaves, um, but. Uh, yeah, but yeah. No,
0: I I hear you, and and yeah. For me, the biggest thing is like you've been here for fifteen years, man. Like, how could you not just go hire a defensive guru to be? It seems so one easy, doesn't it? Like, it just, let seems... them just like, like go go kind of like football style. I'm the head coach, offensive coordinator, and here's my assistant who's the defensive coordinator, and just let right. him coach defense. But
1: and even if it's something like, hey, I want to I want to do this. I want to run this. This kind of three quarter court press, press every yeah. so often, so you need to incorporate that in. But once they get the ball across half court, I'm going to go ahead and allow you to do what you do because I, I, I just don't seem to have it right. Like, yeah, or at least um, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I, on that, here's a question for you.
0: Fire away.
1: Who's better, Nick Bear or Patrick McCaffrey? <laughs>
0: Uh, to this point I was probably think it's Nick Bear. I was gonna say the same thing at this point I would probably say Nick Bear in less minutes probably
1: yeah because I and you know I wasn't the biggest Nick Bear fan in the world
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what we' learned what we've learned on this Hawkeye roundup uh, Hawkeye basketball roundup is that uh, if anybody out there's looking for a head, Chairperson for their diversity and inclusion committee, Drew's this apparently right got here, what it takes. Right
1: here, fire uh, uh, in the middle uh, of the game. Fire <laughs> mad at Nick, mad at Nick Bear for no reason at all, like other than you know he just ran with a hunch. Um, so Nick Bear, for his career, was a thirty-seven percent three-point shooter, and he averaged four and a half rebounds a game. Right? Um yeah. Shot. Uh, shot 44%. So, Patrick McCaffrey, for his career, uh, obviously, you know, this is including Nick Bears Jr. and Senior, year, which Patrick does not have yet. Um, but for his career, Patrick McCaffrey is shooting under 30% from the three point line. Uh, he is a 29% three point shooter, um, a 42% shooter overall, and is getting, um, less than three rebounds a game in his career yeah like in way more minutes than what bear was getting I mean, he's getting 23 minutes a game nick bear never averaged more than he averaged 23 minutes a game as a sophomore so so in the same amount of minutes as a sophomore nick bear shot 40 percent from the three point line and got six rebounds a game so i to me i'm looking at this just going i cannot believe that nick bear was better or is I'd rather have Nick Bear than Patrick, because neither one of them plays an ounce of defense, so at least Bear could, you know, (laughs) rebound a little bit, so.
0: And looking at the O rating on uh, Ken Palm, uh, Patrick McCaffrey's at 112 this year, was at 112.6 last year. Nick Bear was above that three of his four years. His junior year was 108, which was his lowest, otherwise he was in the 120s and had a 117 his senior year, so.
1: Yeah, cuz he was a um, bear was a 40% three point shooter as a freshman yeah. and a sophomore, 38% as a senior and it dipped down to 31% as a as a junior, so that jives with that offensive rating.
0: Yeah. So. And I'll one other thing I'll say uh and then we'll get to the mailbag here and and uh and get on with the show, but um I I I I mentioned this or I texted this out to you guys last game or to our, our group uh, Drew, but um you got to give another thing that you got to give Fran credit for is, is sticking with the Murray brothers or you know, finding them early or seeing their potential. Right. And Mm -hmm. by God have both of them, Keegan, especially, but both of them really panned out more than uh, every Hawkeye fan, other than Kenyon Murray may be believed. And which is great that Fran that, you know, saw that potential, but on the other side of that, Conversation is thank God they banned out because how bad would this roster look if they
1: didn't right? Yeah. I mean, but that's kind of the thing. Like wow. if you if if you hit on something if you hit on a lottery ticket, right? Like you should have recruited a good enough team outside of that to right. like therefore yeah. take this to a surefire top twenty type team, right? right. Like when when Jarrett works. Culver when Jarrett Culver at Texas Tech ends up being, um, you know a top five player in the whole country when he was rated in the three hundreds coming out they're in the final four, right? Cause they've recruited yeah. well enough around them that now they're superstar. They got lucky in their superstar. They got it. They got a supporting cast that just hasn't happened for Fran. Now, look, it happened last year, right? Cause they were a two seed. So yeah. it, it happened last year. And if, the, and if Fran didn't do his stupid two, uh, you know, auto bench two, two fouls thing, you know, Garza at Indiana, maybe they beat Indiana. And you know, if, Joe Toussaint makes a free throw at Minnesota. They win those two games, and maybe they're not in Oregon's bracket. And Iowa goes to the elite eight, right? Like Houston, or you know, whatever it might be. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that Fran hasn't had successful seasons at Iowa. I'm just saying that like a lot of times he finds these these guys and just isn't able to build the team around it to be in that top 20. Um, he's always in the top 40 though, so that's that's good, right? So.
0: Yeah, and I'll say too, uh, you know, Garza's junior year, 2020, we were robbed of the, I think Bracket Matrix had us as like a five or a six seed. Yeah, we were a top, you know, top 25 team in Ken Palm. So maybe that team makes a run to the Sweet 16 right. or something. You know, right. you never, know. You never but,
1: know. And But honestly, anyway. though, that one run to the Sweet 16 or one run to the Elite Eight does not change what I said about it. I, yeah, I want him to win every game. It's not going to exactly. be sad. I'm just not going to be sad and, on his last day. You know, it's you'll be like, it's not going to be sad. <laughs> I'm gonna to look towards the future. I'm gonna wait for B.J. Armstrong to be back in Carver, and we'll go from there.
0: That's right. Hey, uh, let's let's. Uh, we've got a couple of mailbag questions that are um, that are specific to basketball. Let's open up the mailbag here, and then we'll wrap it up with uh, some talk of the uh, NFL. But uh, first question here in the mailbag, John from New Hampton. We don't get the last names on these, but I'm wondering if that's John Yokum. He used to coach at New Hampton. But John from New Hampton, I want to ask two of the best bracketologists in the nation, talking about us, of course, Brad and Drew. As we sit here today, do you see the Iowa Hawkeyes in the tournament? And what kind of seed are they looking at? I kind of talked about this uh, in our Hawkeye basketball roundtable. But um, but, yeah, I mean, I think today, uh, you know, all projections, all bracketologists have Iowa in. And let me just say something first about these bracketologies. What they like, like it's the easiest shit in the world. What what Joe Lenardi puts out there today can be completely wrong by the end of the year no one's going to go back and look at what he had as his bracket on january 18th right like so it's so stupid we do these bracketology updates all season and the only one and then on selection sunday yeah you're picking six teams for four spots and oh you missed two well so does a a monkey could miss two but anyways uh with that said, nice question. I would put Iowa in as uh, probably in the 8-9 game right now.
1: I would not have them in the tournament strictly because 0-4 in the first quadrant and 8 wins against quad 4. Like, that. that's, like, I would, they, what, what have we done to show that we can beat quality teams? Have we beaten a team that would be in the NCAA tournament field? Like, so, at this moment, I would have, that's not, I think they're, good enough to make the ncaa tournament but at this moment i don't think their resume has anything on it that resembles a ncaa tournament team now it's january 18th and you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of movement and those four quad two wins could end up being mean they're two and six in quad one you know and and at that point maybe they would get you know at that point i think they would probably get in um you know like they've got what i say five or six more quad one opportunities if they go three and three in those they're three and nine that's definitely an eight, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seed type team.
0: There you go. I would say Indiana is in the tournament in most uh, projections. Other than Indiana, you're right. I don't think we've beaten another tournament team. So.
1: And I think Indiana, Indiana could end up being a quad ball. one win, yeah. right? Virginia, if they get hot, all they got to do is get into the top 70 of the net to be a quad one win. Um, so you know, when you go top on the road,
0: maybe I don't know. Just they would have to get in the top eights,
1: fifty, I think, because
0: it's yeah, west, so you, but
1: you never know. Um but four and oh and quad two is fine, right? Um they the other thing you could say for Iowa right now is they have no bad losses, right? That's so, right. So yeah, but at the end of the day, I think they, they weight the wins a little more. So for me right now today, I would say no. With the caveat of I think they will get there and I think they'll probably be like a ten seed.
0: You drive a hard bargain. Uh, this next question comes Brad, from. The people
1: don't pay me to lie, right?
0: Well, here's the thing. When it comes to NCAA tournament teams, your expectations are higher than I the know. average person. I mean, Very we high have level. high expectations.
1: And the, the key is, I mean, think about what I just said there. I'm looking at all available data. I'm not just looking at Iowa. I'm thinking about all the available data for all 350 NCAA basketball teams.
0: And I think Gadepool Bracketology is still to this day the only bracketologist with the three eye test.
1: And I can't think of one.
0: <laughs> Here's the second and final mailbag question from Bremer County Cyclone. I don't know how this one slipped in here, but. First-time listener, guys, but how old is Drew? He didn't watch the Iowa-Iowa State basketball game because the ISU faithful boo and cheer. Are they supposed to sit quietly like they are at a Winterset High choir concert? Who is this from? Bremer County
1: Cyclone. Is this like a legit question?
0: (laughs) This is actually a
1: legit (laughs) question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Okay, Bremer County Cyclone. Let's take this. Let's take this one by one. I'm 38 years old. Uh, <laughs> so, growing up in central Iowa, I have seen a lot of Iowa State basketball games, and to be honest with you, I just hate listening to the fans going nuts for uh, on the officials booing all the time. I don't like it, so I didn't watch the game because I didn't think we'd win. I was right.
0: You were right, I guess, so, about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Maybe, it was on my uh, TV, it was on my DVR. I checked the score on the ESPN app. If we were winning, I probably would have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there you go, Bremer County Cyclone. No, yeah, cheer, boo, cheer, boo, do whatever you want. But like, dude, sometimes your players foul. Sometimes your players travel. Like, officials aren't out to get you. Just because your AD Jamie Pollard accused the Big 12 of a conspiracy to keep you guys down at one point doesn't mean it's true. Maybe you should grow up, Bremer County Cyclone. Maybe you should grow up and stop thinking everybody's out to get the Iowa State Cyclones because nobody is. Nobody gives a fuck. (laughs) Mic drop on Bremer County Cyclone. Leave it in. Leave it in.
0: I I think that's exactly what Bremer County Cyclone was looking for. (laughs) I love it. And how about this, two, count them, one, two, Winterset High School references in this episode. We talked uh, the leading score in basketball, and we got a Winterset High Choir concert reference out of the mailbag. So let's wrap it up.
1: Um, Winterset High Choir concerts? Uh, people are not sitting on their hands, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Those were fantastic shows done by some very talented people.
0: And nobody is booing. I can assure you of that. I guarantee you that. <laughs> They're saying boo earns, boo earns. Uh, well, let's wrap it up here quickly with uh, the NFL super wild card weekend we just got out of. Pretty. We should have got uh, a
1: mailbag last and ended the yeah, show with me just but... ripping Bremer County Cyclone. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
0: Pretty, uh, we I mean, we can still do that if you want.
1: <laughs> oh, no, we got to make fun of pocket, pocket dogs, Mike McCarthy.
0: <laughs> Pretty blah games all around for super wildcard weekend. I think that is something to get used to with this extra team in the playoffs. It's not <laughs>
1: you two. Good God. It's
0: blah. Okay.
1: All right, They're we're going to so are we going to do the same thing we do with college football now? They weren't all blowouts. The Raiders Bengals game was good. The Cowboys Niners yeah. game was good. The other ones were blowouts and. Who cares? Like we move on to the next week. Like
0: oh, and gosh, I can't wait for these matchups next week. They're gonna be great ones. Now that we got the seven seeds out of the way, yeah. <laughs> you see that Bremer County cycle really got you. You fired got me riled
1: off. up here. You know, and I'm <laughs> mad about this because people always bit, you know, bitch about college football. Well, if we just go to more teams in the college football playoff, it'll be more blowouts. And who cares? Who cares if there's blowouts?
0: Like. <laughs> So, so let's let's talk about the one game that definitely wasn't a blowout: the Niners and Cowboys, and what the so hell good. was that? So first of all, first of all, you got Jerry World, and like they, they, <laughs> I mean, they they probably lost three points uh, right before halftime because the receiver lost the ball in the sun because you got windows on the so, on the
1: south end of the stadium apparently. I don't know um, exactly what I was doing at that time, if like. I don't know exactly what I was doing, but I, I missed the play where, you know, he dropped the ball because of the stadium, right? Because of the, the glare. It's on, yeah. And, like, I just, like, came down. I, I came back into the room or something. It was halftime and Boomer Esaias and just goes, I mean, he spends a bill. Who spends a billion dollars to build a field east and west? And I was just like, what the hell happened? And Boomer was like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like I was like, what? Uh, so that was amazing. And then the, I was then watching the punter, when the punt hit it. Yeah. yeah when the punt hit the scoreboard.
0: It off the great. scoreboard, which has happened before, but still hilarious. Yeah. And then the whole ending of the game, which we'll get to your boy Pocket <laughs> Hot Dog here in a little bit. But first, Like just the ridiculousness. I mean, this this game was an absolute perfect capsule for the ridiculousness of some of the rules of football and the the referees, (laughs) most specifically spotting of the ball. So the 49ers ran that sweep with Debo, and he got the first down. They reviewed it, moved it back a smidgen, and then brought the chains back out and missed it by like an inch, you know. And I just love when. That could happen, you know how many times that happens throughout the game? Every single play. But, oh, there's a minute left in the game, so this one, let's look at it on the replay and make sure this one we get exactly right, you know? Um, and then the ending of the game with the QB drawn, the umpire having to run in from midfield because he's so got to awesome. touch the ball and spot it. And it wasn't like, you know... the that ball could have been three yards off on where the ball was when Dak started his slide. But yet oh, yeah, the umpire touched. just has to touch it. Like it's just the most And like when miss. he touched
1: it and like, he like, like, Moved it back a little bit. Every single guy on the Cowboys was lined up. Was off the- <laughs> Like every single <laughs> one of them. When he moved it back, it was incredible. Like, yeah. I'm just like this. Is, like this is so awesome. And like the best was Nance being like, "They're not going to get a playoff." And Romo, hey, they got time." Oh no, they don't. I'm like, what do you mean "They got time." <laughs> yeah, like,
0: I know. Oh, they'll be know? fine. And then he's just like, "Oh, oh, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, just hey.
1: just incredible. Like, but but would you expect anything less from a team that? converted a fake punt and then left their punt team on the field. In in yeah. like apparently I, I I apparently to get the 49ers to call a timeout, is that what they like like we'll just leave our punt team out there and they'll be so confused on first and 10, they'll call a timeout?
0: I'm assuming that's what they were doing is hey, let's get them to waste one of their timeouts here, but I don't know what 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 were they going to do? <laughs> Run a and, play like I don't know like
1: and It's like, oh, run they're going to run them. Here they come, running the offense onto the field. Okay, well, they now have to give the 49ers a chance to sub, and you're not going to have any time to get your playoff. <laughs> like Matt Moron, Matt Nagy did this a couple years ago. Except he did it on fourth down, where he left the offense on the field and then ran the punt Tried team to on. run the punt team, yeah. Or he yeah. yeah, had the punt team on and ran them off, and ran the punt team, the offense back on. Whatever he did, it was stupid then. It's even dumber. Than, okay, so let's let's just play this out and say this worked perfectly to Mike McCarthy, what he was looking for, right? Like, say uh, say the 49ers called the timeout there. How does that change the game in any way at all? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> like, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> like, in <there's> no way. <laughs> like, And also, like, everybody on the 49ers is like, okay, if you want to run a first down play with your punter on the field, go for it. Yeah, that hey, was the hey, best you know, like,
0: Shana you know, Ann's just like, everybody just kind of back up five yards and
1: let we'll these catch
0: the punter get, if he runs and we'll catch them. the ball if he tries to throw it. Let these <laughs> morons
1: do whatever the hell they're doing, you know? Like, yeah, just, I mean, just unbelievable. But, I mean, I will say this. McCarthy did look like he was enjoying his pocket dogs this weekend. <laughs> so it might be the last time he ever enjoys a pocket dog as a Cowboys head
0: coach. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Good stuff. Nope, that who do, was. Who do you got uh, this
1: weekend? Who do you got this weekend in the uh what we got Saturday we got
0: Saturday we got the Bengals and the uh Titans.
1: Titans and then the night game is the Packers and the 49ers, right?
0: Correct. Saturday then, night. Yeah. Yep. And then so the Buc-
1: got, I'm going to go with the road teams here. I'm going to go Bengals. I'm going to go Bengals and 49ers to knock off the number 1 seeds.
0: Wow, I'm going to go Tennessee and uh, 49ers.
1: Debo Samuel, Samuel is fun to watch, isn't he? Forty oh, Niners' yeah, offense know. is kind of cool. Like,
0: well, like, the 49ers all year, they finally got everyone healthy. You know, like, Kittle missed how many games? They didn't have a running back forever, so they were just through Debo back there, and now they have uh, Mitchell back. Mitchell I mean, good. Yeah. yeah, so now they're healthy, and it's like, oh, yeah, this this is a pretty good offense when they're healthy. And yeah. then you got Jimmy G, but... What was uh-huh. that pass he threw? I don't know.
1: Like that game was over, and he missed the guy by six yards.
0: I don't know. So then, uh, let's see. On Sunday, then in the NFC, we got the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, I got the Rams that, in
1: that one. I got the Rams the, in that game.
0: You got the Rams beating you know, the, the Bucks. Bucks huh? dude,
1: the Bucks, like everybody's hurt, man. Like every, they don't have anybody.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tampa Bay, and then uh, definitely on Sunday night. They're gonna circle the wagons. So the Buffalo Bills will beat Kansas City at Kansas City.
1: It's a heck of a call. I'm gonna I'm going to ride with with my homie Mahomes.
0: Yeah, I got the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl because they're my team in the NFL playoff auction.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going with the with the uh, with with the Chiefs because uh, Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey told me to. Uh, Text the code there for Hy-V to get some gonna deals. Say, you're so, a big
0: Hy-V fan. Yeah. Big
1: Hy-V guy. So, except that, you know, Very when good. they when they went away from just like the regular deli and like started putting restaurants in, I wasn't a big fan of that. You know, I like going to Hy-V in the morning, getting a couple of eggs over easy, a little bacon, a little toast, and costing about $2.40. That was always nice.
0: That damn delicatessen. I think the Waverly Hy-V still has a Hy-V deli. Uh they do.
1: Yeah, we ate the breakfast, breakfast there brunch. before the Dave Gade thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, the breakfast brunch is uh, what it's all about.
1: Yeah, that Good was stuff. the day that um, the the ATM machine like would not give me money for some reason, and then some old lady started talking to me about how it wasn't working for her either. It was very strange that morning.
0: <laughs> so, oh, what you find out when you go to the V <laughs> Deli in Waverly, <laughs> Iowa?
1: <laughs> very strange. Very strange. So,
0: well, my man. Wrap it up. That's another. Uh, this is a long one. We had. Hey, uh, we started it off with some, you know, serious a serious conversation. I'm glad we had it.
1: Yeah, it was important. Uh, I'm glad we had it. It's important.
0: Then we uh, then we talked a little Hawkeye round ball as always. Baltimore
1: County side came in and ruined the show.
0: Man, the mailbag was. The mailbag heated heated this week. Heated mailbag, and then uh, yeah, there you go. Not only did we recap the Super Wildcard weekend, we gave you our Super Bowl picks. That wasn't
1: my Super Bowl pick. I was just picking. Mahomes to beat the Bills. That wasn't my Super Bowl pick.
0: Oh, I thought you were picking the yeah, Chiefs no, at all. no, no, no. I was just picking your... next weekend.
1: I was just, I'll, yeah, I'll pick my Super
0: Bowl. Oh, up. I, oh, I thought, thought you had my... your yeah. long love affair with hy it led you down to picking the Chiefs.
1: I can see where there was some confusion there. I'm glad we cleared that up.
0: So, so, hey, how about this? A teaser
1: for next week.
0: After these four games this weekend, Drew will pick the Super Bowl champion of the four uh, remaining teams.
1: Damn right I will. And that team will lose the next week. <laughs> Perfect, the kiss of death.
0: Well, my man, great show. We'll uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next time. Have a uh, have a good one.
1: You too, buddy.